You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. Hey everyone, welcome to MLB.com Extras. I'm Alexa Dat, and today we are talking Mets baseball. We bring in Anthony DeComo of MLB.com, who might have to run if Steven Matz is available in the middle of this podcast and leave us hanging, but let's see how this goes up till that point, DeComo. For the Mets, really, it's about staying healthy, right? That's been the, the mantra of this team from the uh, players to the coaching staff to the front office. They've used it all offseason. We're only a handful of games into spring training, and we've already got an injury list, unfortunately. So I'm going to read off an injury and you tell me on a scale of one to five, one being not that concerning at all, and five being uh, all of the alarm bells are going off, how concerning this injury is, okay? Okay, well, l- let me start and say that everyone's going to be all upset because no matter what I say, they're going to think I'm, I'm, I'm underestimating. And you know what? It's, it's, it's fair because the Mets have a history of, uh, of underestimating their own injuries, but, but they're, they're trying to be a little more transparent now. So I'm going to try and be transparent as well and give you as accurate an assessment as That's I can. That's all we ask. All right, here we go. Dom Smith had an MRI that showed a strained right quad. I'm going to call that, you said one to five is my scale? Yeah. I'm going to call that a three. Uh, this is probably the most serious of the ones that you're going to list off. Um, it's something that's going to keep him out of games for, uh, I would say, at least probably through this week, and it might lead into next week. And... Well, it's ultimately a pretty minor thing, and he's going to recover. He's going to be fine well before opening day. Uh, it's probably going to knock him out for long enough that any chance he did have at winning that first base job over Adrian Gonzalez or even just winning a roster spot, a bench spot, is probably gone. Uh, I don't see him logging with this injury enough at-bats in the Grapefruit League that he's really just going to wow people because the Mets will ease him into it. So while the injury itself isn't major, major, it certainly could have been a worse tear. It certainly could have been a worse injury. Uh, I'll, I'll give it a three, middle of the road. All right, next up, Jay Bruce. He is dealing with plantar fasciitis. I'm going to put a two on that one. Um, it, he's playing today. Jay Bruce is designated hitting. He said this is something that he's managed in the past. Um, that he's had really for years now, and he knows how to, how to deal with it. He's got orthotics for his shoes. Um, he's doing a couple of other things to make sure that this doesn't bother him once the season starts. The only reason I'll go more than a one is, well, A, he's a pretty important hitter for this team, and B, we've seen what plantar fasciitis can do for guys or do to guys in the past, Albert Pujols being you know, one of the most prominent guys who has struggled with this. So uh, it can be a nagging kind of thing. It's the type of thing that doesn't necessarily just go away very easily. Um, So I'm going to give it a two for Jay Bruce. All right, next up, Juan Lagaras has a strained left hamstring. He's listed as day-to-day. That's right in the same area. You know, I'm going to give you twos and threes on probably most of these. I'll say a three for Juan Lagaras, and this is really a minor injury. If this was the regular season, Ligaris would probably be playing through it. Um, So in that sense, it's almost like a one. But this is another critical year for Juan Ligaris. And we've been down this road before with him. The Mets have long loved what he can offer, obviously defensively. They think he's a better hitter than what he's showed so far in the big leagues. And they really want him to be that everyday center fielder in April when Michael Conforto isn't ready to go but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. And that's the thing that people 
uh, almost glossed over with Juan Lagares. No one denies his talent. It's there. It's plain to see. He's already won a gold glove, but he can't stay healthy. And little muscle pulls. He's obviously had a long history of, of things with his thumb that had he had a torn ligament a while back. And, and yeah, now you have quad and hamstring issues and all that stuff. So as long as these keep popping up, I'm going to consider them significant for Juan Lagares, even though this one in and of itself isn't that big a deal. Also listed as day-to-day, Yuena Cespedes with a mild shoulder soreness. This one, I will say, is about a one because we've gone through this every year uh, with Yohannes Cespedes. He always has shoulder soreness in spring training. He even said it himself today. He said the first two weeks of spring training, I go the whole winter without throwing a baseball. I start throwing a baseball and my shoulder feels sore. So I'm going to give a one to this one. Now, again, he's another guy, just like I said, with Juan Lagares, who has this long history of things popping up, quad and hamstring issues, hip issues, and go on and so on and so forth. So uh, he needs to show that he's healthy, but the shoulder thing in and of itself, I'm not that worried about. All right, we got two more to get through. Uh, second to last, Jacob deGrom with lower back stiffness. We'll call it a two. Uh, and another non-issue in terms of, of it's early in spring. If it was the regular season, he would almost certainly be pitching through this. Um, he kind of says it's because he took three days off to go home for the birth of his, of his daughter. And when he got back and through, he felt a little twinge. Um, but it's like so many of these guys. Uh, Jacob deGrom is, uh, he and Noah Syndergaard, to me, are the two most important pieces to this team. If either one of them misses significant time this season, the Mets, the outlook for the Mets is a lot less rosy. Uh, so they need both of those guys to give them full seasons. You don't like to see any sort of injury things pop up with a pitcher uh, in spring training, but at least it's his back. It's not his arm, and, and he should be good to go within the next week or so. And last but not least, Tim Tebow hurts his ankle on a sprinkler head in the outfield. Here you go. I'm, I'm going to put a five on this one, <laughs> Alexa, because this just shows that, you know, it, it lends credence to all those who think the Mets are cursed or snake-bitten. A sprinkler head? I mean, come on. It's and, incredible. And it's outrageous. It's, it's, Listen, he was on the injury incredible. list, though. I didn't make this up. The Mets PR staff sent this out, so uh, I'm just doing what I'm told, man. He was on the injury list, and, and that's what I'm saying. I, I, I'm giving it a five um, because if he can't heal himself, how is he going to heal the Mets? <laughs> All right, good point. Uh, let's talk about Noah Syndergaard. That's who everyone really wants to hear about anyway. Two perfect innings. He hits at least 100 miles per hour 11 times in 22 pitches, as you pointed out. He said he was pitching with controlled aggression. The guy was doing sprints shirtless in the outfield after his outing and even did his post-game interview sans shirt, which I'm sure was uh, lovely for you and all the rest of the media members there standing uh, in front of him. Uh, I'd be like, put a shirt on, dude, but uh, that's besides the point. Anyway, what did you think of his outing, and what does this mean for the rest of the spring? He said he's going to potentially try and throw harder? Yeah, look, I think it depends on how much of a cynic you are, honestly, uh, because you can look at this one of two ways. You can say, no Syndergaard is back. He's throwing 101. He looks like the best pitcher on the planet. It wasn't even just those 100-mile-an-hour fastballs. It was uh, one of the filthiest change-ups I have ever seen in any context. Jose Altuve, 92-mile-an-hour change-up that looked like it broke across the entire width the plate back towards the right-handed hitter. Um, he threw a slider that was pretty dirty. Uh, so he's got all of these weapons beyond just the triple-digit heat, and when you put that in there, uh, he can be unhittable. Uh, Altuve said, if he throws me that change of 100 times, I'm going to strike out 100 times. So 
you can obviously look at this and say, wow, like this is the best pitcher on earth. And it's a really good thing for the Mets to have him back and healthy. Uh, the cynic can look at it and say, why is he throwing 101 miles an hour on February 26th? Uh, that's not necessarily the smartest thing to do. Um, and I don't know if you can argue that, you know, he's not trying to show off when he's going and, and taking his shirt off and doing an interview shirtless, as you said. Uh, clearly, he wanted to make some sort of statement. I think that's pretty plain to see. And, and look, he succeeded. He did it. Uh, even Mickey Calloway said my heart started beating when he was throwing 100, 101 miles an hour for all the reasons I just mentioned, good and bad. So we'll see where he goes from here when he starts going a little deeper into the games. Is he still going to be unleashing this on a regular basis? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I don't think we're going to see him throw one three this spring. But, you know, I also didn't think we were going to see 101 in February from Noah Syndergaard. So you can look at it either one of those ways. Uh, as long as he's healthy, I think it's exciting. Um, but the second something goes wrong, if something goes wrong, you know people are going to point to that and say, well, why were you throwing so hard so soon? Well, the cynic can think what they want about Noah Syndergaard, but I feel like the cynic's mentality has a little bit more merit to it when you talk about Steven Matz, whose spring debut did not quite go the way that he would have wanted it to. He threw 22 pitches, and he could not record an out. What do you take away from this outing? I like to throw away the first outing uh, for pretty much every pitcher in spring training, and I would say that for Noah Syndergaard yesterday, as good as he looked, just as I would say today, for Steven Matz, for as bad as he looked. Um, but I think the thing that concerns people with Steven Matz beyond even the injuries is that when he's been healthy, specifically last year and towards the end of 2016 as well, um, before he got shut down for that year, uh, he didn't pitch all that well. And you don't really know with him because you don't know what healthy is. You don't know how much he was pitching through pain, how much he was pitching through injury. He's never had a full healthy season, really, not only in his big league career, but in his professional career since the day he was drafted. So you you really don't know with Stephen Matz. I think certainly it is concerning. Uh, I also think we have a long month of March ahead of us. He's going to get another four or five starts to show that this is not who he was. Um, but, yeah, it, it's a little bit concerning for a Mets team that, frankly, in my eyes, Stephen Matz, as of right now, is in the rotation. But if he goes out and has a dreadful Grapefruit League season, there's a lot of guys in, in Zach Wheeler and Robert Kesselman and, and go down the list who would love to have that rotation spot. Yeah, that would be pretty interesting. Uh, speaking of the rotation, or at least the pitching staff, uh, the Mets continue to add some depth. On Monday, they signed A.J. Griffin to a minor league deal with a spring training invite. What does this mean for his future with the team? For A.J. Griffin, uh, you know, it, it is organizational depth, essentially. And I think what it, what it points to is that the Mets realized they didn't insure themselves as much as they needed to last year. They didn't cover themselves in the event of injuries because injuries will happen. Uh, the Mets went into last spring training, and they you know, like to boast about how they were seven deep with really quality, good, league, good big league pitchers. Their top five guys, plus Seth Lugo, and Robert Kesselman, they all went down, and, and very quickly the Mets were turning to Tyler Pill and bringing Chris Flexen up from Double A when clearly he wasn't ready, and go on down the line. Adam Wilk got a bunch of starts earlier in the season. Uh, uh, certainly a couple more names that I'm forgetting right now uh, for good reason. Um, so this year the Mets want to make sure they don't have to go down that path. They don't have to bring up a prospect who's not ready, or they don't have to 
go to guys who really shouldn't be pitching in the big leagues. So uh, they've got a pretty formidable, but it looks like triple a rotation right now, guys who, who belong there. And AJ Griffin is another one of those, uh, you know, guy who was pretty good before he had Tommy John surgery has struggled in recent years uh, since the surgery, but still certainly has a little bit of upside as a, and at the least is a big league pitcher. So if something happens to the Mets top guys and, you know, on May 15th, they have to call up A.J. Griffin to start a game. I think people will be a lot more comfortable with that than they were with some of the names they were bringing up last year. And that's kind of the point of this move. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, the bullpen on Monday, which was not good, and that's uh, being easy. Uh, Hansel Robles, who, you know, has major league experience, has been effective as a big leaguer, uh, had an, an awful outing, one inning and four earned runs. What happened and what is he saying afterwards? Yeah, Hansel Robles is, is one of those guys that I would put in the same category as, as Steven Matz, which is, uh, you know, based on his history, uh, certainly based on his salary, you can say uh, should be there on opening day, should be a part of that opening day mix. Uh, but certainly he can pitch his way out of it with a bad spring. So not a good start for Hansel Robles. Um, you know, he, he – is the type of guy that you look at his upside. He struck out more than a batter per inning as a big league pitcher. Um, he was really quite good in the big leagues until last season when he had a down year, uh, went to AAA for a time, and needs to prove that he can do this because, as in the rotation, the Mets have options there now. They don't need to carry Hansel Robles when they have Paul Seawald and Jacob Brame and Jamie Callahan and Drew Smith, all these guys that they acquired last year. Um, they could even put Seth Lugo down there, Robert Gesellman, depending on how the rotation shakes out. So they've got options. And unlike last year, when it seemed like a foregone conclusion that, that Hansel Robles would be in the opening day bullpen, now it seems like, well, based on talent and track record, he should be, but he doesn't have to be. So uh, he needs to pitch well this spring. Not a good start, but as I said, you throw some of the early ones down, we'll see how he's pitching in mid to late March. And, when the Mets are going to start making their decisions. All right, we're going to see Harvey and Wheeler and Vargas all later on this week, so we'll cover that next week on the podcast. We're going to go ahead and let Tacomo go and cover Stephen Matz's postgame presser. So I appreciate you joining us. That's going to do it for us on MLB Extras, our Mets edition, and we'll be back, like I mentioned, next week with a brand-new episode, so stay tuned. Thanks, Tacomo. You got it. Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story, and one of the best stories is Wasabi Technology. Wasabi is the world's hottest cloud storage company, and it's become the go-to provider for professional and collegiate sports teams, including 20 major league baseball teams like the Red Sox and NHL teams like the Bruins and Vancouver Canucks. Even the Liverpool Football Club is getting in on Wasabi action. So why is Wasabi the MVP? Well, Wasabi was purpose-built to free businesses from skyrocketing storage costs and unpredictable transaction fees that the Amazons of the world are charging. In fact, Wasabi is up to 80% less than those hyperscalers and doesn't charge a cent for businesses to access their data. From Wasabi's AI-enabled intelligent media storage, Wasabi Air, to the industry's only cloud storage service with triple protection against cyber criminals, data deletion, and ransomware, Wasabi's taking the lead in driving innovation in data storage and helping sports teams to unleash the power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.